0: Thanks for listening to the audio of 717 Church. This is a place where we continually strive to worship Jesus as the King with our lives, wreck our personal kingdoms to build His kingdom, and live out God's Word in the way that we interact with others. For more information, please visit 717.church.
1: Hey, good morning, church. We are the Harmons. My name is Luke. It's my lovely bride, Allison.
0: It's my son, Caden,
1: Aaliyah, Eliana. Our oldest son, Micah, is not here, but this is his son, our grandson, Grayson. Okay. (laughs) This morning, we're reading from Psalms 91, verse 1 through 4. Whoever dwells in the shelter of the Most High will rest in the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, He is my refuge and my fortress, my God in whom I trust. Surely He will save you from the fowler's snare and from the deadly pestilence. He will cover you with His feathers, and under His wings you will find refuge. His faithfulness will be your shield and rampart.
2: It's good to see everyone here this morning on a cold and windy day, Um, but we're glad you're here, and it's warm in here. I want to thank Jeremiah, first of all, for giving me this opportunity to share this morning. Uh, I want to thank the church for praying for me during the um, time of my medical emergency. I guess that's what we'll call it for now. Uh, And also, just thank you for praying, but also thank you for the meals you brought. They were um, very good. I appreciated those. I thank Jeremiah and Rick, where's Rick over here, for showing up on that afternoon morning and... um, um, making a journey out of their times to come visit with us. And also for Ginger, she made a separate trip um, down on her own to um, pick up Rick because he was hanging around all day with us. But um, we appreciated that, and thank you guys very much for that. Uh, most of all, I want to thank uh, my family and children, especially my wife, for rushing to the hospital and caring for me. Um, they were subjected to an awful heart-wrenching roller coaster of a ride, of emotions and challenges, which you will hear about shortly. But I would like to introduce them. I won't make them stand unless you would like to stand. Um, First of all, is my oldest son sitting on the end, Andrew. Um, He owns the company, and he lives in... um, Florida and Ephrata, so he flies back and forth. One year, he had 130-some flights, so I don't know how many he's on for this year, but um, that's our oldest, Andrew. Then we have a daughter, Valerie. She could not be here this morning. Her husband is um, a surgeon, and he's on call at a hospital, and there are three children, so that's three of my grandchildren. Um, and then there's, what? Soon to be four. I didn't know if I was supposed to announce it or not. I'm sure... <laughs> She's having a fourth one, and um, so anyhow, she's. We will then have um, six grandchildren. So uh, Valerie's married to Josh, and they live in um, the King of Prussia area. And then there's Jason, and I think most of you, a lot of you know him. Um, he was he's been hanging around here a long time. He's a, a, a fan of the same team as Jeremiah. Woo! Well, well, which we won't speak of what team, but then we can't speak of the team in Philadelphia anymore either, so we won't name that one as well. But um, his wife, um, Adria, and their two children, and uh, he was um busy working in a church at the time and had to uh, rush out to make it to Philadelphia. Andrew was in in Florida and tried to find a way home, and Valerie, of course, was in the King of Prussia area. And then there was our youngest, who is Hope, and she's married to Kevin. They live in um up in Ithaca, New York, while he's in school at um, Cornell. So uh, they had to rush down. They were just about within five minutes of leaving to go on a trip to um, Jordan and Turkey. And um, their journey was interrupted, and instead they thought it was more important to be with me. So um, I appreciate all of you. Um, Thank you very much. And most of all to my wife, Laura, that um, (laughs) I'm going to pull Jeremiah here, (laughs) Um, that she stood with me and went through Um, a lot of pain and suffering that day, um, which you will hear about shortly. So I want to introduce them. And one thing I want to say before I start is that um, if you find that your experiences in life um, don't match up with what I'm saying, that's understandable, because what you're going to hear is an extraordinary story that doesn't normally line up that way. And so I want you to know that um, in my case, it was a story of life and victory. But we all know in this fallen world, that is not always our experiences. And I want you to know my heart goes out to you if it's different. And um, if you find yourself struggling in that, you can come and talk to one of us afterwards. There's plenty of people here, be glad to talk with you. But um, I understand, there's a spider, he can go. Um, And um, so I do understand that. I am going to be giving the 10-minute version. There is a 20 minute, there is a two-hour version of that, which um, Debbie and Brian sat through one night. And um, so if you have any questions afterwards, you, you can ask them, because Debbie and, Bri- <laughs> Debbie and Brian know more of what happened than actually happened. And they weren't even there. So um, it actually took about an hour, and they have a two-hour version of it. So you know there's a lot of details they have that I don't even know about. But um, thanks for sitting through it that night, Um, um suffering that you had to go through listening to us. But we had a good time. So here's the story, and I'm going to read it. I wrote it down so I wouldn't go down too many rabbit trails and so on. And um, also, if it affects me too bad, I can just read On August 9th 9th of last year, Laura and I were in the King of Prussia area visiting. At around 10.30 in the morning, I started to feel some heavy pressure on my chest. Laura called, here I go already, Laura called an ambulance and I was directed to a a heart care hospital, which was only about 10 minutes away. I was rushed to the hospital and didn't feel too bad. I was taken into the emergency room through the doors where I was met with about 12 by about 12 people, doctors, staff, et cetera. And as I was talking with a cardiologist about what was happening and what they were planning to do, I went into cardiac arrest right in front of him um, and my heart stopped beating. God was already at work. First, God had caused us to be near a hospital um, with a top-notch heart clinic. We had planned on being somewhere else except God had moved Laura to change our plans. Second, God had a cardiologist who just happened to be there because he was seeing another patient in the emergency room who had some kind of a heart issue. Uh, If either of these things had not happened, I most likely would not um, be here. God was already way ahead of us. Here the story goes in three directions. First, there is the, the medical group and the medical situation. They went beyond expectation and acted professionally. I can't speak enough about them. If not for their expertise, I would not be here. As I said, I went into cardiac arrest right in front of a cardiologist. All I remember is chaos erupting in the ER and the doctors yelling for 4,000 of something and cut off his clothing. And at that point, I went into a different realm of which I will share more. The medical doctors and staff were flying in full production. I immediately received shocks and CPR was performed to restart my heart. After four shocks and no response, the cardiologist was about to quit. I learned later that they normally don't go beyond four shocks since if your heart doesn't start after four, it's probably not going to. During this time, my son-in-law, Josh, arrived in the ER with his encouragement, the cardiologist decided to shock me a fifth time, with still no response. They then decided that I should be shocked a sixth and final time. Well, On the sixth shock, I unexpectedly came to and surprised everyone around me. I had been without a heartbeat for over five minutes. I learned later that after one minute, you usually have severe side effects and physical damage, and after two minutes, life is pretty much is gone. My brain had been starved of oxygen for over five minutes, and my heart had not received blood, nor was it working. I met every criteria for being dead in the physical sense. God had brought me back to life. At that point, they decided to rush me up to the cath lab and see what they could do there. Um, once there, I coded multiple times for var- various periods of times. The, me- the medical record shows that while I was in the cath lab, I was shocked more than 12 times. Um, the cardiologist explained later that they had simply lost count after 12 times. During, and the record shows that it was more than 12 times. During this entire time of about 45 minutes, they were performing CPR and continued to, restart, to try to restart my poor heart. I learned later that they had decided to quit several times in the cath lab, and then miraculously, I would come back and they would fly into action. While working around CPR and shocking me, the cardiologist was able to to put two stents into my heart and immediately my heart started working and blood started flowing. I was then taken up to the ICU. In the physical realm, I had gone into cardiac arrest, died, and the medical staff brought me back to life. God had moved with multiple divine interventions. Later I asked the cardiologist, um, how close had I come to the line of dying? He looked at me with kind of, um, I don't know, weirdness, I'll just leave it at that, and said, close to the line? He said, you went way beyond. We brought you back from the dead multiple times. He said, then he looked at me and he said, you are a very fortunate man. And he walked out the door. I don't know if, no more questions from that guy. Um, Laura asked the cardiologist if he had worked this long on a person before. And he said once, and that didn't work out well. Laura also asked him why he kept working when all hope was gone. And he said, something kept telling me that something was different with this one, not necessarily me, but this situation. That was the Holy Spirit speaking to him, whether he knew it or not. God had moved with more miracles. Now, beside the medical group, another group of people were going through a very different set of experiences. It was my family. My wife showed up the emergency room and was dropped off at the doors. She was told to come into the ER and to see me before I was taken up to the ER. Everything was still fine. As she entered the doors and saw me lying on the gurney, at that exact moment, I went into cardiac arrest. And she heard them yelling, we are losing him. I can't imagine what she went through. She was immediately rushed out and taken to a closet so that she couldn't hear them yelling. During this time, Laura was told that I was dying and to prepare for the worst. She was led to believe all hope was gone and I had in fact died because I had. Our children were notified and they all rushed to get to the hospital. Um, They were all in shock and rightfully distraught. Jason and Valerie rushed to the hospital. They were the closest. Hope drove, got in her car, which was all packed for a trip, got in her car and drove From Ithaca to the hospital, she said she did it in two and a half hours, breaking every code in the motor vehicle (laughs) code doing that. Andrew was fanatically trying to get flights back from Florida um, because of what he had been told. Jeremiah and Rick um, were called and they rushed down, expecting to, to console a grieving widow and struggling children. You can only imagine the grief and the turmoil of that situation. And then there was me. I remember the first couple of seconds of chaos in the ER, like I said. Then a square yellowish white light began to grow brighter until it was very bright. Then it dimmed and I was in another realm. I was in a place of extreme peace and rest. It was like nothing I had ever experienced before. The best I can say, it was like the most peaceful time you have ever had in your life, multiply it by a hundred times, and then move it into a different realm. I had no anxiety or worry, no feeling of lack or concern, and no pain, physical or otherwise. I experienced heaven. Several times I would drift back into the consciousness of this world, and every time, whether coming or going, the light would brighten and then fade. I remember some of the times I came back, and and other people told me of other times when I was back and talking with them, which I do not remember. During this whole time of about 45 minutes, I never had a sensation of leaving my body. However, even when I was back in the physical realm, I was somehow still in another realm. The peace and presence of the holy was always with me. Even though my body was here, it was somehow wrapped up and protected in the spirit. While the doctors and staff were literally assaulting my body with shocks and CPR, I felt no effect. My body and soul were one. I was kind of like suspended between heaven and earth. This world didn't want me and heaven wasn't ready for me. I know my body was on earth and I was with it but it was like in heaven or in, in, somehow wrapped up in the divine had come down and surrounded me. So I kind of wasn't here, but I was here. My body was of this world and my soul, but we kind of all, we, I talk about as we multiple personalities, I, this thing was united and was one. Uh, I cannot really explain it to myself, let alone to all of you um, using words. Um, What on earth was 45 minutes to an hour just seemed like a a splash of time, an instant even. Uh, Because when I was in the other realm, there was no understanding a consequence of time. Even though I experienced a lot during that time, it was like it wasn't like time. A really weird experience. I'll just leave it at that. So I finally was back in this realm. The light came on bright. It left for the final time. And I was back in the cath lab, seeing the ceiling tiles. uh, And I was taken up to the ICU. In the ICU, our lives came back together. The family was told that I was alive and that they could see me, but they had been warned that I would not be the same person they knew before. The expectation was that even though they had kept me alive, I would be alive because of ventilation tubes, etc., and so on. When Laura came in, she was clearly glad to see me, but also appeared startled and bewildered. Her husband who had died was now alive. Not only alive, but perfectly normal. I was sitting up drinking a ginger ale as if nothing had happened. I felt as good as ever. I was ready to go home. As my children came in, they were crying and hugging me and I thought everybody was overreacting. When Jeremiah and Rick came in, I knew everybody was overreacting. (laughs) Why would you call the pastors on a nice Wednesday morning afternoon to to leave what they were doing and come down to see me? And they can attest to my physical condition right afterwards. I had no clue. I thought I had fainted or something, and then I was treated, and all was well. Well. What's the big deal? I had no idea of stents and shockings and CPR and death because I had an experience of heaven and no pain. I did not know or understand my family's suffering in grief, anxiety, stress, and outright terror and now instant joy and relief. While I was having a glorious heavenly experience in the presence of a loving God, they had been through the anguish of death and suffering. It took time time for me to realize what had happened. I didn't totally understand what had happened until two days later on the way home from the hospital when Josh, my son-in-law, explained what had happened. I was told that I should not be here and that every day I lived from there on Where's an extra day. Reality started to set in. I had to apologize for, under, for not understanding my family. I have to apologize to my son, Andrew, right now, because I don't think I did. He got home from Florida that, later that evening, and I said, oh, don't have him come in here. Just have him go to the hotel room. He can see me tomorrow. No big deal in my mind. He had struggled hearing that his father had died and had flown home so I'm sorry, I should have let you come in. I was fine. You could have come and see me. I was trying to be nice to him. So I'm sorry about that. And to any of the others of you that I pushed aside thinking, what's the big deal? On that day, God had performed multiple miracles and providentially involved himself. The doctors and nurses came to look at my burnt chest for more than 18 shockings. Apparently, it should have looked like a burnt frying pan. They saw nothing. They did x-rays in my chest where my ribs were were cracked and broken because after 45 minutes of guys jumping on my chest, there's just no way it was okay. They found nothing. My brain, even though it was starved of oxygen for over five minutes, multiple times, was functioning as good as ever which, according to a few people, isn't saying a whole lot. (laughs) My heart showed no sign of any damage. I also experienced no pain or even discomfort. Maybe just a quick update. I was at a cardiologist, went back for for him to check me out in um, uh, December, and they did all the MRIs and all that kind of stuff. He said, your heart is just as good as ever as anybody said, It's as good as any 67-year-old man. He said, it should work for another 20 or 30 years. Just nothing was wrong that he could see. On that day, God wrapped me with his Holy Spirit in such a way that I was spared from physical and mental damage. All I can say is all praise to the Almighty God. We have a miracle working and supernaturally guiding God who is greater than any of our expectation. God's love and peace surpasses all limits. So that is the story of what happened that day. Um, like I said, there's all kinds of things I could have added into there. You're gonna ask Debbie and Brian um, what I don't know, they know. But God had moved. This is a, This is a real story. I mean, I heard about things like this, I guess, but... I never expected it to happen to me. I certainly didn't ask for it to happen. It wasn't like I woke up that morning and said, oh, I think it'd be a good morning for a heart attack, cardiac arrest, die, and come back. But God had moved sovereignly. And I want to thank my wife and my family again just for what they went through. Laura was a rock in the middle of this. Can you imagine what she went through for 45 minutes thinking that I would be where I was? And for Josh and the other in-laws, man, you guys really helped out. Kevin, uh, all of them were just rose to the top. And I am, again, I'm thankful for them. Thankful for Rick and Jeremiah. Um, First of all, do you guys have anything you want to add or subtract or correct? What? I said there's a lot I could add. There's a lot you could add. There's a lot went on. I mean, uh, but I'm alive. And doing well. Um, yes, Laura. Um, it been there. What? It been there. Yeah. It, um, there were so many things that got set up. If, if my son-in-law, and this is where the timing and the hand of God was so important. If, if Josh had not been there, he came in sometime in the first couple shockings. If he had not come in, the cardiologist was going to stop. And he encouraged them, you know, shock him again. What do we have to lose? And so they did and nothing much happened. And then finally he said, one more time and we'll let him go. So the hand, I mean, that's just one thing. And for the rest of the, uh, of the situation, there were so many things like that, that we weren't, we weren't gonna be there. I would have been on the road in Pine Barrens in New Jersey when it happened. Um, Instead, I was within 10 minutes of a cardiologist who was waiting there for me and didn't even even know it. Okay, enough. Uh, Maybe I should just open up. Is there any couple questions? I'm sure there was a lot of questions. I don't know if there's anybody bold enough to ask one. Okay, I see a hand back here. Yes, the Lord sees you. No, go ahead. How did it shift my thinking of God and heaven? Did you say? Yeah, because a lot of us have idea uh, of fear of this kind of thing. Okay. Thanks. See, I told you she knew more about what happened than what uh, <laughs> We talked a lot. Uh, yeah. It, my experience of heaven and passing into that, I, I, I want to let all of you know, we, we have this certain, I think, concept sometimes of fear maybe, that it's going to be painful and difficult or whatever. It's not, it wasn't. I made that journey um, and it was the most peaceful, restful thing that ever happened. And so my my understanding of, uh, of this universe has changed a lot. And maybe sometime I can talk about that the understanding of a new heaven and a new earth, and most important, a new body. And the things that happened in the the Bible when people would come back to life and there had been no decay, there's something had happened that I have a different understanding of some of that. And we are going to have new bodies and a new heaven and a new earth. And and there's a whole concept here that some of it's um, just growing on me. And I'm going to share just a couple minutes of some three things that I'm learning. I hate to say I learned them because, man, when you say that, there's always more to learn. But um, Okay, any other question? That's a good one. It probably should have changed it more than it did, Uh, but it has. And where it has changed the most is my perspective. Certain things that I thought were important just aren't as important. And there's other things that um, have become more important. Um, my family has become more important. Some of you have become less important. No, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> that is one of the biggest things. I also have a different perspective, kind of on my on my relationship with the Spirit of God, working and being around me and surrounding all of creation, because we—this is all going to be extra and free, because I wasn't going to say this—we sometimes look at this world as this world, and then there's this spiritual realm. But What I experienced, and I knew it wasn't this way, but what I experienced was both of them were working together. While those doctors were working as hard as they could, the Spirit of God was speaking into that situation and doing miracles simultaneously. They weren't separated. And my understanding of some of the things in terms of the separation between the body and the soul have been changed, as well as between the physical and the earthly. Sometime maybe I'll talk about that because it, it, that was one thing that really did change as well. One more question. I'm just share a Yes. Um, what was, was it, when did you realize that you went to heaven? Was it like a dream almost or you later on? Or was it kind of like right away? Or well, to to the, the, the crazy thing was that it had happened over a 45-minute period. But as I said, it was more of a, an instant experience, kind of, but that's not quite fair either because it was a full instant. You you know what I mean? It was like a lot happened in no time, but it was 45 minutes. Um, I didn't really see. I wasn't physically in touch. Someone asked me one time, did you smell anything? And that was the first I thought of. Oh yeah, my senses weren't really working because again, that's kind of an earthly thing. Um, Yet I was fully aware that I was in a different realm and I was experiencing heaven and something I didn't see. I didn't see God. Um, I, you know, I didn't, I didn't see that, but I felt and understood, and I'm going to share three things that I've been learning about this in a minute, and I could have shared about the love of God, but that one is still just really growing on me, and i realized since, it wasn't kind of part of that experience, but since I realized, oh, a lot of this had to do with the love of God. So that kind of is growing out of that and becoming aware of what actually took place in that 45-minute non-time thing that now is, oh, Because for me, the biggest thing that stood out the most was the peace and rest and presence of God. But since now, I'm starting to have this, oh, no, I experienced the love of God as well. Okay. You can ask later and, you know, again, I want to keep going because supposedly I'm supposed to um, teach something important here now, I guess. so. (laughs) Whatever. Okay. Okay. what, 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 what am I learning? And the first thing, one of the things I'm learning is uh, the supremacy of God is trustworthy. On that day in August, God demonstrated his supremacy. The spiritual was as real as the physical. God was in control. And as my son Andrew said, if any piece of the puzzle had been missing, the whole puzzle would have collapsed. Yet God was in control and lined them up. On that day, there was a force that wanted to destroy and kill but a living spirit that breathed life and healing. God performs miracles that goes beyond the limits of our mind in this world. God is supreme over life and death. On that day, the Holy Spirit demonstrated the supremacy of God. The Holy Spirit communicated to people, sometimes even beyond their own understanding or will. The Holy Spirit moved sovereignly. Second one is, I want to make sure they're coming up. Today is my extra day. Every day is now an extra day for me, but that is no different for you. Today is your extra day and tomorrow will be your extra day. Just want you to think about something. Suppose this coming week was actually God made it an eight day week. And he did that because he stopped time and started time before and he can, He could, but suppose this week is an eight day week Today is Sunday, tomorrow is extra day, and then the day after that is Monday. The question is, what would you do with that extra day? Think about it. Some of you would probably sleep most of it away. Say, hey, man, I haven't slept that long since before I had children. Some of you might go to work. Some of you might watch TV. Some of you might read your Bibles and pray. (laughs) Tell a lot. Some of you'd go to Target. And you know, it says a lot. What would you do with that extra day? And the reality is every day that I'm alive and every day you are alive is an extra day. That's one of the things that has really impacted me, this whole idea that I have an extra day. The number of our days is in the hands of the Lord. Back in August the 9th, my days had not yet been numbered because they are in the hands of the Lord. So why am I worrying and about my how many days I have or just, we got to live in them? God's timing was impeccable. He is never early or never late. This is the day that the Lord has made. The third thing I'd like to share that I'm learning is the best place to dwell is in the peace and presence of God. I experience supernaturally that peace and that presence. It's the best place to dwell. I'm learning and trying to exist in him, that he is my center and my base. One thing that just the other day here, we were, I was talking with Laura and she said, and I thought, yeah, that, that's just what is going on. We were talking and she finally just said, God is. Is that your God? Is your God just is? I mean, we want to manipulate that and do all kinds of things, but God is. He simply is, and that's where we need to dwell. We need to step back into God, and as the verses that were read this morning, place ourselves in the shelter of the Most High, and then abide in the shadow of the Almighty. We need to dwell in the house, the shelter of the Most High, and we need to abide under the shadow of the Almighty, because in his presence and in his peace is the most best place, and really the only place for us to live. For three questions that you're supposed to take into your groups and so on, where has the supremacy of God impacted your life? I can point to August the 9th and say, I know his supremacy impacted my life because I'm still living because of his supremacy? Where has it impacted your life? The second one is, again, what does your extra day look like? Third one is, how will you live in the peace and the presence of God?
1: Amen? We wanna thank John for sharing, um, yeah, his story and his journey, and really all it does is show off God, Mm -hmm. right, amen? Um, you know, the supremacy of God is impacted like the sovereign supremacy of God, like God is sovereign. God could have not brought John back and God is still sovereign, Mm -hmm. but he brought John back because God is sovereign. And so he rules over all. And so we're so thankful for that we have you, um, So as we close here, I just want to read this um, song that we actually just sang as a church. Um, And then we're going to close in some prayer. But John led us in worship this morning of the song, Gratitude. And I don't think that that was even planned. Um, That's the sovereignty of God. Um, That he knows that just aligning kind of our worship to him with John's sharing and worship to him. And here's the song that we just sang. It said, all my words fall short. I've got nothing new. How can I express my gratitude? I could sing these songs as often as I do, but every song just comes to an end and you never do. So I throw up my hands and I praise you again and again because all that I've got is an hallelujah. And we just say, thank you. So we're going to say thank, you. I'm going to invite um, Laura up, come on up now, and, and Matt and Jer, if you guys would come up. So last week, uh, last gather that we shared, um, John is actually transitioning um, from his role as elder here. Um, and so we want to say thank you um, to him, and we express gratitude to you guys in your serving, um, and we express gratitude to him. John and Laura have been dear, dear friends of Ginger and I for years. They know the good, the bad, the ugly of all of us. And uh, we have sat for many, many times and shared. But we're thankful for John's, um, for both of them, their experience and their expertise. And so this past year in sitting in in round table and meetings with these four guys, these other three guys, the four of us as we've done that, it has been a real joy and a blessing to hear john's perspective and experience because he's been here he's about 10 steps ahead of the other three of us all right and uh in life and in church life quite frankly and so his you've been a great help and so we say thank you as a church we say thank you um and the three of us we say thank you um we just appreciate all that you have brought to us as a church and brought us this far and you've heard um this morning his story his journey um Things change, perspective change. Things become more clear, and important, and so he's grandpaing more, and um, that's good. <laughs> and and he said, kind of jokingly, you become less important, kind of, and that's okay, <laughs> and that is okay because transition in life, um, they're in a different life stage now, and literally life stage now because God's given a life. Um, last that day and last summer was." You know, again, he just shared a little bit, but it was it was an amazing, amazing day. Um, and to see where he's at, he's healthy, he's right. He's actually jogging a marathon this year. Yeah. Um,
2: I didn't do that before. I'm kidding. I'm kidding.
1: <laughs> but he is healthy, and we are good, so thankful for God's goodness in the Weaver family um, and his goodness for the Weaver family to our church. And so we just want to close in prayer here and pray over you guys and for what God has for you next, because God is good and he impacts all of our lives and he's got a lot of life left for you. Amen. So let's pray for, uh, over John and Laura, John. So we're so thankful God for the life that you have given John, literally the life that you've given John. Um, we're thankful for his story, his journey, for him sharing this morning of your goodness, of your supremacy, of your sovereignty. Um, uh, and the scariness, you are good God. Mm-hmm. And so we're so thankful for um, how you have literally brought him life, <laughs> how you have brought him to us today to share his journey, to share your goodness, and to show you off and through his story. We just say, yay, God, and you are good. And we give gratitude. We don't have words to say. We just lift up our hands and say thank you. Yes. And um, so that we say thank you. And we do thank you, God, for... Um, such a time as this for their lives as they transition in a formal leadership role, although he will still help lead um, and still be here, but in a formal role, we just say thank you for what he has meant to our church in this past year. Um, And God, you are good. You are good. And so in the, in the months ahead, the weeks ahead, the, the days ahead, the years ahead, God give John and Laura um, again, new step in their, in their uh, new walk as they transition into what's next for them and uh, how they see how they do ministry in a different and new way, how they share your goodness to all the people that they come across with. And so, God, we're so thankful, again, for the Weavers. We're thankful for them and our church. We're thankful most of all for you, God. God, you are good, and we li- do. We lift up our hands and we say thank you for your goodness, and it's in Jesus' name we pray, and everybody says, amen, amen.
0: Thanks so much for listening and being a part of this community. We hope that today's message helps you grow in your relationship with Jesus and live out what His Word is calling you to. Hit the subscribe button below to follow us, share with a friend, or leave a review. If you'd like to give to this ministry, you can do so at 717.church.